Gather around friends, new and old, and welcome to the Pow Wow Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Philip. And I am the other host, David. <laughs> oh, David, what a week it has been. What are the highlights for you of this previous week? Anything of note? Any uh, major plans that have finally fell into motion? Any massive dumps that you've taken that you need noting or something? I don't know. You know, I, gosh, I wish I thought about this before. I always, whenever <laughs> someone asks me, oh, what did you do yesterday? I immediately forget as part of my, I guess my, my dysfunctional brain, but what did I do this week? Well, I'm going on uh, vacation soon. So I guess I've been planning for that. And what else? What about you, Phil? What have you been doing? <laughs> uh, well, uh, nothing too much. The, probably the two highlights of my week, one of which the audience has already heard because even though I worked on it during this previous week, it actually played in our most previous episode. So it's going to just, again, based off the timing of how it all works, it's going to seem like weird for me to acknowledge that it was this past week. But I created a, uh, a new fun little intro for uh, Bite Me. Uh, that happened last week, oh, and that was yes. that was that was fun to introduce, and that that I really was a highlight for me personally. Uh, and of course, last night I played some poker, played some poker, and I oh, was nice. Yes, the fun thing about poker always is is now at the point where I'm I'm an active adult. I'm no longer just the the young kid at the table. I'm now still young, but but not not like you know uh, the youngin. So I'm going around and I'm like the only gotcha. person now at the table with this group of guys that I play poker with for the better part of a decade. And I'm the only person now at that table with the last person finally becoming a daddy. I'm the last person to not be a father at that table. And I take that as a wow. personal badge of honor. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't understand, but uh, good for you. Good for you. I will say one thing happened this week. And I know I'm going to be, once again, the only person who who gives a damn. But South Africa beat New Zealand in uh, rugby. And South yeah. Africa has been performing terribly over the past couple of weeks. But they beat New Zealand. And I'm feeling real good about that. It was a fantastic game. Good pick-me-up. So, my food is cold. I would like very much to speak to the chef, please. <laughs> All right, today we have a wonderful, fun opportunity to speak to my friend who is a professional chef. His name is Marcus Ekman, and we're delighted to have him on the podcast. Finally, I, I messaged him, I think, Marcus, I messaged you, when was it? The beginning of the summer, sometime in May or June, and I said, hey, are you free on Sunday to come on as a guest on my podcast? And he said... Uh, oh, please uh, uh, send me a message in September because I'm going to be being the head chef of two restaurants all summer. Two restaurants. You did not hear me uh, hear me wrong. Two restaurants. Anyway, so delighted to welcome on Marcus to Pow Wow Podcast. Say hello, Marcus. Thank you. Hello. It's yeah, it's been a pretty intense summer, but I'm really glad that I got this opportunity to come on. No, we're really glad, Marcus, and, and very honored to have you on here. Of course, being a professional chef as you are, I'm sure that you have multiple better better things to do uh, than to come on to a camp-themed podcast. But that being what it is, we appreciate your time, and I think let's get right to things here. David, if you don't mind, I'll go first. Marcus, what is the first meal... You remember creating? Do you have like a signature dish, maybe that you've that you've ever that you create time and time again? So, like uh, dual dual fold. What's the first dish that you ever remember creating? And then currently, do you have a signature dish? I think uh, one of my earliest memories of like cooking a proper dish, not just like boiling pasta and making a simple sauce, was. When I made uh, Gordon Ramsay's beef Wellington uh, for my family, I think that's that's the standout dish. And then I think one of my signature dishes, or something that I cook very often, is uh, risotto. Oh, um, it's very versatile. Yeah, you can 
mix it up and do a lot of different things. Go vegetarian, go fish, go meat. And that's why you now have the bicep of a Hercules. Because it requires so much damn stirring. (laughs) Yep, something like that. Ironically, Marcus, you've been with us since the beginning of this episode, which actually is something of a rarity, uh, if not novel. But ironically, you heard me talk about that. I have a, I, I played poker last night and in conversation, they, we talked about the podcast and everything. And weirdly enough, weirdly enough, one of the topics that came up was, hey, uh, I'm having a chef on tomorrow. What would you, uh, what, what would you guys want to would, what would you ask him? And uh, and one thing they said was, why can't anybody in the United States make a damn good risotto? So it's funny that you should, <laughs> you yourself, bring up risotto. There's more technique to it than I think a lot of people would realize. Marcus, was there was there a meal that you remember having prepared for having prepared for you by, say, a restaurant or a family member that moved you to pursue cooking as a career? I don't know if I can pinpoint a specific memory but when I was young my grandmother on my father's side particularly did a lot of cooking and I have one very specific memory of me and my cousin getting thrown out of the kitchen uh, because she was going to make donuts <laughs> and that involves frying oh. at high temperatures and you know we were like what uh, four yeah. or five years old spattering yeah. oil hot yeah, oil yeah exactly not not conducive for for children no but I think it was one of those early uh, moments of just seeing my grandmother cook food. And something there just moved me uh, into wanting to pursue a career with food. Marcus, in culinary school, was there something you had to learn that you found incredibly frustrating or had a long journey to overcome? Allah, I think for speaking for myself and the general public, dicing, while it looks imp- incredibly impressive, like it, it just wows my mind. I don't care what you're chopping. I don't care what you're dicing. It always looks impressive. It could be a freaking tomato. It could be an onion. It could be garlic. Like that to me always blows my mind. And anytime I would even think, even think about doing it, I, I it just scares the poop out of me. And I'll just stay with my ugly cuts as they were. Yeah, I think it's kind of what you're saying, uh, getting into the perfection of cooking, the visual perfection. It's a very daunting task and uh, I can still not call myself an expert in any way but yeah I I think that's you know it's learning the techniques and when I studied or went to culinary school uh, we focused a lot more of the technical and theoretical aspects of culinary arts which in turn have helped me become a better chef in the practicality of it. Marcus I know I've known you for a long time, and I know you wanted to become a chef uh, even at a very young age, even when I first met you and we were, what, like 12, year, 12 13 years old. But if it, hadn't, if it hadn't been cooking, what would it have been? What would you be if it weren't, if it weren't a chef? Food critic doesn't count, okay? That's cheating. <laughs> I would probably say more on the course of computer programming. Or computer sciences. Wow. That's very dry, very, very dry compared to compared to the culinary arts. Yeah, um, but there's something, I don't know, there's something about logic questions and coding. And I'm actually taking a, a small course on Java coding uh, currently. There's something about it that intrigues me. Uh, and it's challenging and it's daunting. And I understand less than what I need to understand, but there's something that gives me energy to keep going, facing the challenges head on. I think that that is a a natural marriage of things though, especially in food, because obviously there's the initial thing of like, oh, I want it to taste good. But just as much as you said, uh, visually, there is a lot that has to go logistically into cooking for mass, mass audiences where it's just like, I need to make 20 of this and then 40 of that. So it makes sense that you would like or your brain would even be drawn to something logistically that also kind of flit, fits into slots, as it were. Uh, my, my last question here before we move on, uh, is there anyone you still get nervous cooking for, whether it be like family, uh, prospective romantic interests, maybe celebrities? I can't say that I've cooked for a celebrity, but I mean, I still kind of get nervous cooking for my family uh, because well you want to show off that the energy and the 
hours that you've invested in a three-year degree, uh, four-year actually, uh, degree in culinary arts school uh, and working as a head chef that, you know, whatever the food that you're going to cook is going to be amazing to your parents and your brother and sister. Uh, yeah, that still makes me nervous. I guess it's the perfectionist inside. I'm curious, what, what, would you, what would you make them? Like, what was like among the first dishes that you would say that you cooked for them during, after culinary school? Was I mean, because it couldn't have just been an omelet. You can't be like, hey, it's an all-you-can-eat omelet bar, folks. Enjoy, right? It has to be something that's a little bit next level, I'd imagine. Yeah, I did. It was actually while I was still in culinary school. Um, but for New Year's Eve dinner, I made a, I think we landed in 12-course meal. For twelve freaking my family, me? yeah, uh, wow. it took me wow. Uh, wow two two days of uh, prep work uh, yeah. because I was doing it by myself, and it was quite elaborate. Wow, were you happy? Uh, sorry, I, I I'm 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 loving this. Were you happy with the end result? Were they? Was there anything inedible, or was it all good? They were very happy. I was happy with parts of it. <laughs> <laughs> And then there always, were parts always of, your harshest courses. critic. Yeah. Wow. Uh, some of the courses yeah. that I thought uh, could have used a little bit more work. Marcus, uh, we know, but of course the people don't know. So let's let's give you a, a little bit of tout here. Of course, you have your bachelor's and master's, friggin' master's in culinary arts and meal science. Uh, and you've even worked uh, your way in restaurants all the way up to even Michelin starred level restaurants. So you're very accomplished while we move up, move along towards actually what you do and, and everything else. Uh, and you're currently the head chef of a restaurant on the West Coast of Sweden. How did you manage to get to that position? And what does a normal work day for you in that job entail? Because I'm, I'm sure everybody obviously understands the cooking part, but there's far more that goes into it than just that. For sure. It's quite a funny story. Uh, one of my friends is the restaurant manager, and we met at culinary school. He was a year above me uh, doing a sommelier, uh, so a wine oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, wine taster uh, server. And Is that uh, a bachelor's degree? Can you get a bachelor's degree yeah. in wine tasting? Oh, oh yeah. my goodness. What am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, that's on a different topic quite an intense course as well. Um, oh wow! But yeah, uh, he—I've uh, been—he uh, contacted me year a year ago after I'd finished working a season also at a restaurant on the Swedish west coast, uh, just a bit north from where I am now. He contacted me in September and said, "Hey, Marcus, what are you doing next summer?" And I told him, "I, I just finished." working a summer job and we worked a lot of hours in a very short time i'm <laughs> not going to decide anything at the moment and then i didn't really think about it for half a year uh, then he called me again and we spoke a little bit more and i became more and more intrigued and i said that i could come down as a sous chef so working under the head chef right uh, for the summer and the restaurant is actually, we divide ourselves and become uh, like two restaurants in one building, uh, upper floor with its own kitchen uh, and a lower floor uh, with a separate kitchen, different menus and everything. Wow. And so I was uh, supposed to be the sous chef for the upper floor uh, and had created a menu with him that we were going to present to the owners. And that's kind of how I started. And then towards middle of may we started noticing that the head chef kind of didn't really want to be there he had taken the job uh, because he knew the owners from way way back uh, and he said that he would help them out get everything started for the summer season and then you overthrew him mutiny <laughs> mutiny in the kitchen you know what was boiling <laughs> not, mutiny not so dramatic yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not so uh, dramatic it was more that we everyone kind of realized uh, what we wanted. And for me, that was uh, stepping up and uh, taking a more of a commanding and leading role. And then, yeah, so I ended up becoming the head chef uh, for both of the kitchens. 
and we have been struggling um, due to the pandemic, particularly in finding experienced cooks. But we've managed wow. and we have made a fantastic season. I think everyone has worked their butts off. I'm uh, currently two months ahead on my hours. So I have about 300 hours. A big vacation. Over time. <laughs> big vacation yeah. coming up then. <laughs> Not really, but we have uh, closed down the uh, hours that were open now on the fall and winter season. Wow. So I only work three days. 300 hours. Marcus, if there was something that you would want to change about the food industry, what would that be? Perhaps the hours? <laughs> I think one of the changes that is, it's on the way, it's starting to get there, but it's raising the sustainability in the restaurant industry, not just for the environment, but for the people who work in the industry. You have to be able to have a healthy work-life balance. and. I am uh, an expert in not balancing my work life, (laughs) (laughs) my regular life, but I think that's that's what's needed for the industry. Yeah, that's what I would like. Yeah, Marcus, as a layman to the food industry, my only experience and knowledge about the industry itself comes from the Food Network and Ratatouille. So would you say the existence of these food forces serve to aid and inspire people to cook and become better chefs on their own? Or are do you find them to be examples of what is wrong with entertainment paired with food and are atrocities to the art of cooking or maybe somewhere in the middle? <laughs> somewhere in the middle. I think there are some things about like movies that try to glorify the restaurant industry. Um, but then there are other movies. I think Burnt, for example, shows uh, with Bradley Cooper is a fantastic movie uh, portraying that kind of upper level of dedication to finding perfection in the food industry and the negative aspects of that. I won't spoil the plot, but there is some elements of uh, you know past life of uh, drug abuse and alcoholism and things like that, which I think are unfortunately hard or closely attached to the industry because it is a quite intense job. Marcus, what is the biggest kitchen disaster that you've ever witnessed or been a part of? God, that's a really good question. I've been quite fortunate in that I haven't been a part of any major disasters something that i've i've seen at multiple restaurants is uh, when there's a shortage of staff and the restaurant becomes overbooked uh, or overfull and uh, no one is able to keep up you know the orders are just flying into the kitchen and you feel like you are standing in a swamp and just treading mud but I haven't been part of any like dangerous disasters that have involved a staff, you know, splicing an artery or uh, having to go to the emergency hospital. Have you ever seen a- a- another chef do a sneezer into a dish from a rude customer or something, or a waiter as it's going out the kitchen? No, no, no. Oh. I, okay, well, that's uh, good to hear. It's good yes. to hear. I, I think that's one of a. It is quite a rare thing. Um, as uh, i've never seen that happen we all breathe a sigh of relief and phil shall we move on to uh the future absolutely uh marcus who would you say is someone in your profession that you have the utmost respect for and would you rather cook with them or for them would you rather cook gordon ramsay's beef wellington with him or for him (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you don't respect him. I, I, I definitely respect him. There are a lot of master chefs that I would love to cook with. So I think my, my answer is going to be cook with for any chef of uh, renown. I think that's how you evolve and become a better chef yourself. Marcus, you've certainly done a lot of traveling already. 
But is there a particular place that you are most excited about going to in order to try the food or even take a take a, a gander at cooking the food from that place? Is there a region of the world that you want to go to? Japan. Without a doubt and hesitation, Japan. It's on my bucket list and uh, uh, I'm just dying to be able to get the opportunity to dive into the history and the traditions of the Japanese kitchen. I think it's uh, it's certainly a kitchen that has influenced uh, a lot of modern uh, new Nordic uh, restaurants. Did you watch the show Our Man in Japan on Prime? I have it's not. It's with James May, who was from Top Gear way back when. Um, he's a sort of a generally an automotive journalist but he does all sorts of stuff and he has done two amazon prime shows recently one of them was a a six episode tour of japan from north to south and since watching that i watched it months ago since watching that i've just been all about japanese like i just always craving japanese food and then he did another show which was actually a cooking show which was kind of a a a gag because he isn't really a chef or know much about cooking at all so it was more of a joke than anything, but the Japan one really, really made me want to go to Japan and try the food, try all the food. Is that the clip where, uh, or part of the show, he's on a train and uh, he's served, uh, I think it's lunch, and uh, yes. he, he eats it, uh, he eats a bite, he eats and uh, <laughs> yeah. then there's another media that's supposed to come in and do a, a shoot of yeah, that the, food. Yeah, yeah I that, they were that supposed clip. to... They're supposed to take pictures and pretend that he was going to eat it, and then there was another group of journalists who were who were going to take the same dish, which was like a worth hundreds of dollars or something. That one dish, and and he had like taken a big old bite out of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> it seemed like a really good show, so I think I'm going to have to add it to my watch list. Definitely, Marcus. What is the ultimate goal? Uh, is it a t- your own TV show? Open your own restaurant? Maybe food truck around Europe, or perhaps break scientific food borders with more studies uh, that you've been conducting on your own. I don't know if I have one uh, end goal. I have a lot of goals that I would love to accomplish. One of them is, of course, uh, owning my own restaurant, really get to cook the food that I want to cook. But there's also an aspect or an element of me that wants to dive deeper into the sensory sciences. And that's kind of like the, the theoretical knowledge that drives a lot of food development, which I think is super exciting. Currently, I'm doing both or aiming for both. And then we'll just have to see where the journey ends. Marcus, last couple questions here before we move on with our lives. <laughs> First of all, are you generally generally more delighted or frustrated when people insist that you do the cooking when you go to gatherings or something like that? It definitely depends on the crowd I'm with. I went to a New Year's Eve party hosted by some friends, and uh, we were two chefs who were both really good friends and uh we we hadn't planned on helping out at all but we we were just kind of drawn to the kitchen uh by our own i don't know force of nature or force of the chef and we we ended up uh, helping cooking and uh kind of let the hosts do the hosting uh and we hosted some of their other guests in the kitchen and chatted and things like that but you know i i I really love to eat other people's food and to experience their cooking so uh, i don't like to be forced to cook when i'm not at work but i do kind of get drawn into it or drawn towards the kitchen if there is a dinner setting or food setting as part of the feast. Well, the folly of your logic there, Marcus, is you would never want my cooking. My cooking is is uh, add and paste here. It's it's ramen meets uh, frozen veggies 
maybe a, a, a scooch more salt. So if it was with us, I mean, you you can have my cooking. My cooking is is non impressive, but it, it it does. That's where your your logic of I love tasting other people's cooking. That's where it falls short. Is when you you meet an illiterate in the form of a food making person such as myself. Uh, that's where your your whole conundrum just whittles down like a house of cards. If if I can just add on to to what you're saying, sure. I think then it becomes a matter of intention. What what what's the intention between you or from you serving me food? If you're trying to give it your all, trust me, Marcus. You don't want to know what Phil's is. intentions are. <laughs> you don't want to know. Uh, I guess I guess anyway. what I'm trying to say is, as as a chef, I will eat pretty much anything that is served, and I will be happy. Marcus, we're we're very happy to have a professional on here to settle this this debate. This is our final question before we move on with the podcast. Where does one find the best pizza? Is it Italy, New York, Chicago? And then finally, does pineapple belong on pizza? I haven't been around in the US or traveled enough to try all the different types of pizzas. So, so I think I'm going to have to lean towards the Europeans and say that it's difficult to beat the Italians. Pineapple on a pizza. I am torn in the middle. Gosh. Because on the one hand, I don't know if it should belong on a pizza. But on the other hand, for me, it's childhood memories. the adventurous side of him is like uh i mean it's 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 food food should if it has a purpose it should but uh oh man it just it feels so wrong i think it it depends on uh where you're getting your pizza i i can accept that answer i can accept that answer yes Here it comes would you of course the mini segment where we ask the question would you? David, if you don't mind, I'll start us out. David, would you allow somebody to defecate on you for $1,000? You know, it might depend on the person, but I would probably do it. I can shower. Ah, I mean, $1,000. Maybe maybe once I, I'm making lots of money, absolutely not. But But at this point... Yeah, probably I'd take it. <laughs> if I may, this question came up. I, I wasn't even going to pick this question, but then last night it came up at the poker table once more. This is the last time, I swear to God, this is the last time I bring it up the poker table. It came up last night, and I I, I said to this guy, Will, I said the exact same question. Would you, uh, would you allow somebody? And he said, you asking me? And I said, no, no, I, well, I'm not asking you, but I'm asking if you would. And after that, it was just all that the poker table could talk about for like the rest of the night. It, it naturally took over the entire tenor of the rest of the conversations and night. So uh, intriguing question. I'm bowing to you now, David, your turn. Uh, well, uh, hold on. Would you? Oh, absolutely. Okay, okay. Just wanted to I'm know. Not, I wouldn't enjoy it. I don't want it to sound like I'm, I'm saying I would enjoy no, I, it. But again, no, me neither. But but the same idea, same concept. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Would you rather spend a week at the North Pole alone or a year on a tropical island alone? So just to be clear, you're not going to starve. You've got all the food you need. But there you go. Honestly, I think I would choose the year on the island purely for survival purposes because a week in the north pole i actually am quite worried that i would freeze to death and and just inadequately care for myself whereas at least what the worst i'm looking at is maybe uh, some sort of sun crazed uh, some 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 sort of thing maybe i get eaten by something but at least i won't die due to, due to the elements if you're saying that all my resources already provided for me so i probably go a year right, right even though i would lament the fact that i'd lose a year of my life to being on a stupid island you might go crazy as well though true i'd probably do the same
So it's time for once more, and for the first time ever, we're actually going to keep our guest, bring our guest back on for once more, simply because of what it is. And I prepared the once more this uh, this week for Philip and Marcus to be our judges, let's say. Okay. So there's a movement online called We Want Plates, or We Want More Plates, or something, on Reddit. <laughs> Essentially, people are fed up with their food being served on ridiculous things that are not plates. So I'm going to list off some examples, and then you guys, Phil and Marcus, are going to ta- are going to give me a yay or give me a nay. All right? Is it is it cool, edgy, uh, vibin thing? A fun way to prepare uh, present food, or is it just too damn much? So the first one is is a codfish. Served on a roof tile. Marcus, yay or nay? If I'm only allowed to respond in one word, then uh, nay. You can give a reason. Unless I know what if the tile serves a purpose. Like, has the fish been cooked on the tile? Is, is that why they're serving it on the tile? I doubt it. I doubt it. I don't understand it, but maybe I would have to see it. Okay, so nay. Phil, what do you say? I'm going to have to assume that it's a sanitized, clean piece of roofing tile. But if that is the case, I'm yay. Yay. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. Let's cook that codfish. I love it. All right. All right. So Phil says yay. Marcus says nay. All right. How about this? Mashed strawberries in champagne foam served in a cut in half, half of a glass bottle of champagne. Philip, well, let's go to you first this time. Yay or nay? Again, I'm assuming it's safe, but let's say that there's no jagged edges or that they just go out and do a bar fight and then pick up the remnants of the champagne bottle. Uh, if it's if it's safe and cauterized and everything else, uh, then yes, I would say, yay, let's cut out the middleman. Let's just get directly to the friggin' bottle. Marcus, what do you think? Well, um, uh, again, working on the same presumption as Philip, I actually see more of a purpose because you said the food actually had champagne in it, right? Yes. Yeah, then it makes kind of sense that you would serve the dish out of a champagne bottle. Fair enough. Uh, here we go. Pasta in a jar. Marcus. I mean, takeaway? Sure. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> I mean, at a restaurant, uh, it just feels like a, uh annoying way to eat the pasta. Absolutely. Absolutely. Phil, what do you think? Yeah, not to add the 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 judge's um, bias here, but no, absolutely not. Again, if it's takeaway, it feels as if like it's work from home. Like whenever whenever I go to the office. It's not I don't think it's takeaway because it's a glass jar. I don't think they're just giving those out. So I presume it's brought to the table. I'm looking at a picture right now. It's it's not takeaway. Yeah, but I, you're right. So I'm assuming it's not. And if that's the case, then no, absolutely not. I, I Again, I get a, a visage of, of me bringing something to work. My mom used to work at like an, an insurance call center or something. And everybody had their own, you know, assortments of, of lunch or whatever. So, it, but it, otherwise I don't want to... I don't want to eat out of a pickling jar for my pasta. <laughs> all right. This one is a sandwich. Looks like it's got all kinds of lunch meat in there and cheese and a pickle. And it's actually very ele- elegantly presented. And it is served on a cross section of a tree. So it's a wooden board and it is a full. It's got bark around the outside. It's a full cross section of a small ish, medium sized tree. Phil, what do you think? Hell no. God, what? what no. no, 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 no. That sounds disgusting. I don't know what's in that bark. Like you can't sand it. You can't wash that. No, disgusting. <laughs> okay, Marcus. I'm I'm sure it has been washed. How do you how do you uh, wash a yeah. tree, Marcus? In your professional opinion, how does one wash a tree? Carefully and by hand. <laughs> Thank you, Marcus. <laughs> uh no i'm a yay i I could see it i could see it working i'm a yay too i I think it looks very very nice looks very elegant how about this one mexican restaurant serving enchiladas on a shovel on like the steel head part of a shovel marcus what do you reckon why no good question uh, uh, no (laughs) I'm a nay. And, and Phil? 
Of course I'm in. Come on. We got to get to the bottom of this enchilada. And we're all in it together. Pick up your shovels, start working, and get to work. I love it. I love it. Yes, give me a shovel and a pile of food. A freaking man, I'm for this. This I'm in. All right. All right. Phil's excited about the shovel. All right. This is the last one. And this is a very interesting one. So I can I can only describe it to you here. It is a grilled cheese that has been hung on a hook like it's been they've they've put a hook through it like it's set out to dry and it's hanging and it's hanging over a bowl of tomato soup and the cheese is like dripping out of the bottom of the sandwich which is again hanging on a hook what do we think here gentlemen phil let's let's go to you first because i'm looking at the look on your face uh, again, what are we doing? Are we doing laundry day and and just putting up a grilled cheese while you wait? I the concept uh, escapes me. No, this is this is a waste of of cheese residue. This is a waste of, of a perfectly good bowl of soup because it's laying out. It's going to get cold. Hell no, hell no. Just 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 hold it. Hold the damn cheese. No. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Marcus, what do you reckon? I mean, I, I don't really see the need to hook a sandwich or a melted cheese grilled cheese that that's because there is none if uh I, I just sent you guys the photo maybe we'll post it on post it on instagram if you guys are curious it really is something but uh there you go it is a resounding nay at the end there very interesting movement you can check it out on reddit and with that let's move on and it's time for the game, and we walk, we welcome back Marcus. He's been with us for pretty much the whole episode, which is really fun, actually. And uh, we've got a very interesting game coming up here. But first, we've got a few questions for you, Marcus. A few bonus questions that were sent in by the fans. All right. All right, so our first question, obviously, we posted on our Instagram asking if people had questions for the professional chef that we had coming on the podcast. And obviously the first uh, first basic question is, oh, we've covered a lot of this already. So a lot of the questions that we got, we kind of covered already. But how old were you when you decided that you wanted to be a chef? I think it materialized uh, and became like a driving thought when I was around 12, 13. All right, all right. So about when I met you actually. Yeah, yeah. How about Marcus... This is a, uh, I, I can't resist asking this question. How annoying is it to cook for vegans? I don't find it annoying. It, it is a challenge because I myself am not a vegan and I quite enjoy uh, butter. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I have no problem cooking for a vegan. I don't think it's annoying. Can I can I add to that? Okay, I, I'm a very picky eater, Marcus. Mm-hmm. Is there a point to where when you see the know this, know this, know this? So like I don't know, just going through the list and you just see all these things that somebody does not want in your food. Is there a point to where you get insulted or to where you find it tedious? It really depends on the restaurant where I'm cooking at and what type of restaurant it is. For example, the restaurant that I'm working at now, we we kind of have it as part of our motto that we're happy to make the changes so that you will enjoy the food. I think it kind of becomes ridiculous if you get to the point where customer starts like picking components from different dishes, being like, oh, I want that with that. Uh, I want the uh, pasta but I don't want the sauce. I want you to grill uh, the meat, but I don't want the sauce from the meat. I want the sauce from this dish. And that's when it it hasn't really happened, but I think that would be a bit of a tipping point. But yeah, for the most part, I want my customers to enjoy the food and I can make a dish that I think will be enjoyable. But if there is something in it that you don't like, for example, we have a pasta dish with mushrooms and beef, and not everyone likes mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's not a big problem to take that out. Marcus, last question here, and this one I have to ask you because it comes from a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, Alex. He wants mm. to know, Marcus, what is the best Lord of the Rings film? Oh, why are you putting me on the spot? 
man. <laughs> he was like, I didn't sign I up for this. I, I was ready for it. Oh, that I can choose. No, this is not. <laughs> I was ready this for a soup question. Questions I wanted to answer. Yeah. <laughs> I was ready to talk about how to fillet a fish. Now you're just talking about cutting me to the edge of my heart. Which Lord of the Rings film is the best? Oh. I will say the first one, but any of them extended editions. I don't know if I can choose. I'll say the first one just to to pick something. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Phil, explain this uh, crazy game that you've come up with. Yes, I have come up in honor of our guest and the topic of today's episode. I've come up with a game curated around the entire idea of food, or rather what you do to food. So, Marcus, you'll appreciate this, I certainly hope. The game is called Flip Flop or chop chop and the idea is both me and david whoever is currently hosting the game but before the two participants will give you a, a statement along with a number now guarantee yourself that the number that you, they are stating is wrong but it is up to us the participants and the players of the game to decide in what way is it wrong so for instance if i were to tell both you marcus and you david today i have eaten thus far 17 or excuse me 71 pieces of chocolate now i haven't eaten 71 pieces of chocolate but it could be if you want to flip-flop could be 17 is the real answer or if you want to chop chop uh you will get either the number one or the number seven now if you pick flip-flop you get a point for that if you pick chop chop and you're correct you get a point for that you do get a, however an extra half a point if if you decide to chop chop and you pick the correct number so again if i only ate one chocolate all day and you picked chop chop and you picked the number one you get one and a half points as opposed to if i ate 17 pieces of chocolate and you picked flip-flop and that is the correct answer i realize it sounds convoluted but i do think once we get into the game it will settle itself up marcus do you feel confident understanding the game enough to play i'll give it a go Let's, why not? <laughs> That's all we can ever ask of you. Thank you so much, Marcus. All right, Marcus, however, who do you want to face off first as your opponent? No advantage goes with I'll that. I'll start with you, Philip. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right, David, go ahead and give us the first iteration of this game. As, uh, as you can see, I have been drinking a beer throughout this episode as we've been talking <laughs> Uh, well, I don't know if you have you picked up on that. Have you both seen that? It's finished now. Yeah, I've seen you drinking. I had not known if it was apple juice or something else. I had, I had decided to be naive. I Phil, assumed it was. It's beer. never. It's never apple juice. <laughs> 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 All right. So your first question is: How many beers have I had this weekend? Oh, this weekend. Fifty-one. F yeah, this weekend: Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Fifty-one. Do you want a flip-flop or chop-chop, as, uh, as Phil will have me say? <laughs> Phil, why don't we go to you first, Phil? I'm going to chop-chop, and I believe that the correct number is, for the entire weekend, I'll go with five. I'll go with five. All right. Marcus, what do you reckon? I'll flip-flop. Flip-flop. Marcus thinks I've had 15 beers this weekend. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. However, unfortunately, five was the correct answer. So, Phil, Ooh. you start out with a strong lead of 1.5 points. Yes. And Marcus, you fail there, but you have plenty of time to claw back. How many teams are there in the Curry Cup in South Africa, which is the domestic club rugby competition in South Africa? How many teams are there? 71. <gasps> Marcus, would you like to flip-flop or chop-chop that? Chop-chop seven. Chop-chop. All right. And you think there are seven teams. be very difficult for there to be one team. Uh, Phil, what do you reckon? Yes, that is the, the folly in this game. Usually I, when I had to create this as well, I was like, well, I'm giving up a number. But either way, uh, I, will, yeah. I will go with flip-flop on this particular one. All right. Phil says 17 is the correct number. And the scores are level. Marcus, you are correct. And you get 1.5 points. There are seven teams in the Premier version of the Curry Cup in South Africa. 
I thought since we're we're talking about food and cooking today, how many milliliters of baking powder go into my famous pancake batter? 51? Phil, you first. How many milliliters of what was the substance? Baking powder. Baking powder. I'm going to go with chop chop. So Phil says chop chop. And, and I'm going to go with one milliliter or five? Going to go with five. Okay. Marcus, what do you reckon? I mean, I think it's the same. You think the same. And you're yeah. both wrong, unfortunately. You should have flip-flopped. It is 15 milliliters. Ooh. Oh, wow. All right. So the scores remain level at 1.5 to 1.5. And I should uh, I should make a, how- a note of something. Hold on, David. I should make a note of something, too. I am, uh, due to my victory last week, I do have a possession of a skipping stone, and thus I can skip any of these and probably should have skipped the rugby one. But Marcus, you had something you also <laughs> wanted to uh, you wanted to say. Well, I just want to comment that, you know, it all depends on the batch size of pancakes that you're making. So you didn't really specify uh, that is true. how much pancakes y- you You making. should have asked for clarification. <sighs> yeah. I guess. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. I guess. But oh well. All right, your next question. In how many accommodations have I lived? 91. Seems like an awful lot. Marcus, we go to you first. 91. Do you want to flip-flop it or chop-chop it? And this, I should say, includes all apartments, houses, dorms that I've lived in. Oh, I see. Accommodations. I, I That was going to be my clarification once it got to me. I was like, what the hell's a, an accommodation? <laughs> I will chop-chop and say nine. All right, Phil. You next. Wow, I really want to stay pat with him, but I know that you moved a lot. And on top of that, you've been to like dorms up the wazoo. So I I would have to say that I'm going to flip-flop and go with 19 and just bite my tongue hoping that I'm right. No, I think you're right. You'll be glad that you did. Phil, you get a point. Yeah, you get a point there, Phil. So you are at 2.5 points, Marcus. You are at 1.5. So there we go. Last question here. How many diapers has my niece Nyla gone through today? 41? Certainly possible. But <laughs> Phil, would you like to would you like to flip-flop it or chop-chop it? Uh, I even have the option to skip if I so chose, but I actually feel fairly confident in this game. And I will go first. So that way, uh, Marcus will have a chance here. I'm going to go with yes, chop, chop, and go with the number four. All right. Marcus, what do you reckon? Now, in order to catch up, you would have to pick something different. Yeah. But 14 seems like... <laughs> but you could, you could go with your heart Perfect and one. just claw back the points for pride. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to... Uh, 41, so you could flip four. flop for 14? No, uh, 14 seems too high for... All right, so you go with the same the same number, and you are both correct. Yeah, yeah. So you are both correct, and Phil, you, you do win, of course. You get four points in the end, and Marcus, you end up with three. Congratulations, Phil. Another win under the belt. Yes, yes, my belt is getting a little bit thicker these days we love to see it and we love it and marcus a visual handshake my friend a worthy competition but but you can strike out on your vengeance vis-a-vis david over here because it is now my version of flip flop or chop chop and of course in honor of our guest i did theme my game a little bit more towards celebrity chefs so we start of, of course with martha stewart She is notoriously uh, known for having served some time in jail for her crime of insider trading, and she served 51 months of prison time. Now, do you want to, uh, we'll go with you first, David. Would you like to flip-flop to 15 months, chop-chop to five months, or chop-chop to one month served in prison? I don't think one month sounds very likely. And... 15 months or five, both 
for certainly realistic. I think I'm going to go with flip-flop. Flip-flop it for me. I think it was 15. Marcus, we go to you. How long was Martha Stewart cooking from inside the jail? <laughs> I am going to take a wild guess and chop chop and say five. He says five. Well, you both were correct to stay away from one month, although it was a shorter sentence, which means that Marcus was correct at five months. Five months mm. served in jail and five months... Uh, I believe it was even two years of house arrest to where she could not go out without an ankle bracelet. Naughty, naughty, Martha. All right, we move along to Guy Fieri, uh, another well-known chef, of course, for all the spiky blonde hair that he uh, touts all the time. Known, of course, for being a Food Network star. But he was uh, inducted into the Barbecue Hall of Fame in the year 2021. No, it's got to be a different number. But Marcus, my question to you is, do you want to flip-flop it to the year 2012? Or would you like to chop-chop it to the year 2002 or 2001? When was he inducted into the Barbecue Hall of Fame? I am going to flip-flop it to 12. He's going to flip-flop it to the year 2012. Hoffman, where would you like to go with the, the number? I'm wary of getting left behind here. I'm going to go with the same thing. I think 2012 sounds more likely. So I'm going to flip-flop it as well. All right, so you both have chosen the same one. You're both correct in staying away from 2002. <gasps> and you're both are correct for flip-flopping. It was indeed 2012 that he was inducted into the Barbecue Hall of Fame. <laughs> You know, David, the beauty of the podcast format is that we can record however, whenever, whatever we want and edit a lot into the podcast, do a lot of good editing what we want, what we don't want. We curse word this, we, we take that out, we add a little razzle-dazzle here. I can add a rejoin later into the week. It's, it, there's a lot of flexibility. The one negative, though, David, is that sometimes... Sometimes tech happens. <laughs> we had a major technical issue, and I, I think we can both say from the bottom of our hearts, we apologize to you, the listener, for our technical difficulties because due to those technical difficulties, we lost the rest of this game that we were playing with Marcus. And, and because we're in the podcast format, the, the technical difficulties were so massive, so huge that it is actually a new day for you and me, Hoffman. Yep. While we're recording this, it's it's a new day. We're we're, we're coming back a day back after these. So Marcus, of course, he's a working chef. He's a working individual. He's not he's not um, ready and available. He, he gave us his plenty of time for the rest of the right. Episode. I, I also think in general, it just would have been too much to ask anybody yeah. to to come back on a second time on a second night, set up the, you know, like we have to do a little sound check and then, you know, we don't want it. We don't want it to be a, a huge deal. And so and given that we only lost a small chunk at the end of the game, we thought we would uh, just sort of give you guys a rundown of what happened. Yeah. Recreate it for you. I'm going to go back into my acting bag and see if I can channel Marcus and and see if I can I can give you a facsimile of what he would dare provide you. So let's go. <laughs> Gentlemen, the next uh, chef that I would like to introduce to you guys is Wolfgang Puck, though he is known for his high status restaurants and chunky soup. Puck has maintained that he first wanted to become a chef at the ripe young age of 91. Of course that age is incorrect. However, Marcus and David would you guys care to flip-flop or chop-chop? Your options would, of course, be flip-flop to 19, chop-chop to the age 9, or chop-chop to the age 1. Marcus, we're going to start with you. Well, Philip, I would like to say that you are indeed the sexiest voice around on this podcast. Wow, Marcus, thank you so much. David's right there. Yes, I know, but I still say it in full knowledge that he is right there. <laughs> Anyways, I shall get back to my answer. I hate here. you. Fucking move on. <laughs> Anyways, I will now choose my selection, which of course is obviously the chop chop answer of nine. And I'm gonna say I'm gonna say chop chop as well. I think he was nine. 
when he decided he wanted to become a chef. So I'm going to chop, chop, and I'm going to go with nine. Wow. Well, you both were correct in missing and swerving away from the answer of one. He was not a savant when he decided he wanted to make soup for the rest of his life. However, it wasn't nine. It was actually 19. He was uh, perusing through a family friend's restaurant that the friend managed, uh, if story holds true and wait. And it was at 19 that he knew what he wanted to do for the rest of his life. We move along to Gordon Ramsay. Of course, we mentioned him earlier with Beef Wellington with Marcus. Thank you. Uh, The rambunctious chef has certainly had his fair share of squabbles, but his parenting practices of explicitly not allowing any of his 51 children to fly first class always draws up a good parenting debate. Now, I know... (laughs) He gets around, perhaps, I don't know, Gordon Ramsay personally, but he does not have 51 children. However, do you gentlemen want to flip-flop to the age or to the number of 15 children? Or would you like to chop-chop to either the number five or one? Well, I will go with five. Now, I just want to pull back the curtain here. Marcus very confidently went with five. I tried Very to go with confidently. Um, I tried to go with confidence. Let me try. Let me take that again, please. Thank you. <clears throat> All right, please. Five. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I, knowing that my only chance now is to really try to hope that Marcus is wrong here, I'm going to go with one. I've seen I've seen his daughter on his like Instagram reels posts, and she's the only daughter that I've seen. So I'm going to go with one semi confidently. The confidence prevails as five actually is the proper amount of children that Gordon Ramsay has. Five, it too shocks me, but five, and thus rendering, Hoffman, your plight towards respectability and, more importantly, victory in this game, moot. You can no longer win, but we will go to the final question as if it still mattered for anything other than pride or points. We now go to Remy. So famous, he doesn't even need a last name because Remy the Rat is my personal favorite chef, who coincidentally, I don't know if I would eat from, but I digress. Of course, starting from Ratatouille, we actually move to the deceased chef Gusteau, who is voiced by famed actor Brad Garrett. The role marks the 43rd role for Brad Garrett in a Pixar-specific film. Now, 43 is the wrong number here, but would you gentlemen, starting with you, David, like to flip-flop to Brad Garrett's 34th film in a Pixar film, or chop-chop to either four or three? I am going to chop-chop, and I'm going to say four. I think it was four. I don't think it's either 34 or four, so I will go with three. Wow, Marcus. What a great voice you have. Thank you. I can't say enough about your voice either. Yes, Marcus. Hold on, hold on. We'll, we'll get, we have to get through this podcast first. Uh, but yes, you are correct, Marcus. It is indeed three. Brad Garrett has only been in three Pixar films thus far. Uh, to his credit, to his name right now, of course, Chef Gusto for my money being his highlighted role. But, if, but bringing a lot to Pixar, uh, only three. And it is of note, I believe we both said David, at this point in the interview and game, that we thought that there was only about 20 or so Pixar films in the making at this point in time. Anyways, 34, we're getting there, but not quite there as of yet. This, of course, means that Marcus indeed won against you, David, cleansing his victory, uh, making a 50-50 proposition between you and me, I winning and you losing, but Marcus did have something he wanted to plug before he left and graced us with his time and presence. Right. So Marcus, obviously, it was unfortunate that he couldn't get his opportunity to plug. We did mention earlier in the podcast that he's working at a restaurant on the west coast of Sweden, and the city that he's working in is called Valberg. I'm not... I, I desperately want to say it in the way that he said it, but obviously I can't. It's it's a city called Varberg or Varberg. I don't know. And uh, <laughs> maybe if I do like a Swedish chef, Varberg, hula hula. Um, <laughs> anyway, and he's working. <laughs> this is where it gets real good. He's working at a restaurant called 
Fostningsterrassen. Fostningsterrassen, uh, which means Fortress Terrace, uh, which sounds like a fantastic name for a restaurant. And so if you happen to find yourself in Sweden with nothing to do, then have, head over to Varberg, which is spelled V-A-R-B-E-R-G. Find someone who sp- speaks English and Swedish and say, I'm looking for a restaurant that is called Fortress Terrace in Swedish. And they will hopefully point you in the right direction. Thank you, David. Very well said. The only point that and I... W- obviously, I do want to say Marcus said it was, he had a lot of fun on the podcast. And we hope to have him back on at least for another game in the future. Absolutely. The only thing I will uh, clap back on you for, David, is even if you have something to do in Sweden and you're doing loads of other things, go still check out the restaurant. I, I love the oh, concept. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Marcus is a chef who's worked in Michelin star restaurants. And I, I don't know if this one has a Michelin star, but I know it's good. I've, I've, I've eaten at restaurants that Marcus has worked at in the past. And this was when he was just starting out. And the, the food was great, just amazing. So he's a very talented chef. Go check out that food if you can. With that win, I get one win closer to David at a sterling record of 12 and 18, sarcasm abound, with uh, 79 answers correct. And of course, David, with that loss, drops to 13 and 19, and only 67 answers correct. I'm catching up, 13 and 17, surely. I was 13 and 16 last week. God damn it. God damn it. Hold on. Do you, you you don't need to cut this out. Why don't we just let the public know that you got it wrong? (laughs) It's a, it's a clerical error. I'm not an accountant. I'm a damn podcaster. This of course is the segment that slaps the part of the week Mm. where we each get to choose and select some part of cinema, some part of entertainment, some part of really anything that really jives us to move along and say, you know what? That slaps. So, David, what would you like to say slaps this week? There aren't really any songs that that jump out at me this week. And I haven't started any new TV shows, so it ain't going to be anything like that. But I did go to the movies this week to watch 007 No Time to Die. And I will say that of the Daniel Craig 007 movies, Casino Royale remains my favorite. Skyfall is great, but No Time to Die was also great. I think it's a a good Bond movie, and it definitely brings back... Obviously, Daniel Craig's Bond movies are very gritty and, and serious and dark compared to the older Bond movies that are more campy and and a bit out there but this one has elements of a classic bond movie as well so i respect that i respect how it married the two worlds and i think it's a it's a wonderful movie i just regret how little ana dermas was in it <laughs> it's just shameful it's a crime right? it's a crime overall overall that slaps I just as quick aside, what I didn't realize because I had myself had not been in the movies quite in in, in some time. Last time you mentioned uh, your your dis- descent with Dune, I did not realize that you, being where you are in Europe, you get access to films a whole hell of a lot sooner than we do over here in America. What are you talking You're about, cheater? We don't have Dune yet. It's not released. Double O Seven is not Double O Seven is not released until October fifteenth or something. Really? Oh, interesting. Yes. You know, I, but I don't, I don't really think like that's, it. I don't think it's always like that. I think that's, it, it's, it, sometimes it's earlier, sometimes it's a little later, sometimes it's around the same time. That's it. But that is interesting. I, yeah. uh, I didn't realize that, that we had Dune like what, two weeks before you or? Oh yeah. I think three. Cause we're, we still don't have it yet. And I think we're coming up this wow. week. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's very interesting. You know, maybe it's because they do the premiere and then they start doing the press tours. Like they, they go yeah. on to Tonight Show and The Late Show sure. and all that stuff. Whereas in Europe, they just sort of like, they, once they've done the premiere in the US, they're like, okay, just release it in Europe. Sure. Sure. Uh, sound, yeah. But that was something interesting that I had not ever found until you start to tell me these movies. And I'm like, man, oh, that makes sense. Because he's just, he's just ahead of us. Anyways, you know, I'm sorry. I will say... When it comes when it comes down to Marvel movies, it won't be like that. I don't think once once they're released to avoid spoilers, they're probably just going to release them all at the same time around the world, pretty much. 
dang it, we keep we keep moving this conversation along, but in the same direction. I know, but it's uh, so uh, interesting. It's it so is, interesting. It is. Do, do you Especially guys for Venom? our mon- multinational audience. Right. Do you have Venom yet? Do you guys have Venom? Not yet. That's, well, it's coming out in uh, like from today. It's now Monday, October 4th. Uh-huh. It is coming out in a few days, in three okay, days so. or something. I think it's this weekend it, it hits uh, the IMAX theaters. So Venom, Let There Be Carnage, we got before you guys, but Dune and... Oh, Double you have Star- it already? Oh, yeah, yeah. We I've already seen oh, okay. it. Okay, so, so there you go. I saw it this past week. It does not make my that slaps. I just have other things that I'd rather slap. Fair enough. And uh, the, of course, you know... <laughs> You'd I'd rather have it. slap you? <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, you realize, and I'm sure the audience by now knows, that I love a good theme. So staying on theme, staying on brand for the episode, of course, with uh, chefery and cooking and cutlery, I'm going to bring you my favorite song from David Cook, Light On. Enjoy it. It adds to the playlist. That slaps. We have a couple thank yous to get to before we finally put this elongated and uh, and uh, troublesome podcast to a rest. Of course, we want to thank Tara Amstead for her wonderful graphical design work and Josh Hans for some of the wonderful rejoins that we have coming in and out of some of the breaks that you yourself know. Both of you, uh, Josh Hans and Tara, thank you so much for all your contributions to the podcast. Yes, and thank you to Cass and Crossland for our intro and outro music, and to Jake Corlang for our That Slaps baseline. As always, thank you both. Well, thank you all. We love you, and we appreciate you. And we'd also like to thank you, the listener, for listening, subscribing, hopefully, and keeping up with us and all the episodes from here on out. Uh, we, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you giving us your time. And, and we appreciate your questions, too, whenever we have fun moments like this where we can interview somebody and you can uh, have your voice input. So we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A grizzly bear is a lot like a woman. If you don't feed it... It might kill you.